From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 108 of the Killing It podcast. I'm Carl, joined today by Ryan and Dave, as always. And uh, just just the tiniest little note, we can't ignore the fact that there are robots out delivering pizzas, but not to us. I know. <laughs> like, it's, it's Domino's with their cool app and the whole thing, and now they've got robots delivering pizzas. We are not talking about it on today's show. We are acknowledging it's out there, however. Just putting it out there and then moving on. <laughs> it, it, we are looking for a burrito, but a pizza pretty close. <laughs> See, but uh, as, as Carl often says, the future's already here. It's just not widely distributed. Uh, that If you're in Houston, the future has landed. If you're not in Houston, then... We're, we still have a bet to settle, so we shall, we shall address that at a future date. Well, this week we are brought to you by our friends at Acronis. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with Acronis CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about a Cronus Cyber Protect Cloud at acronus.com. Excellent. So thank you very much. And let's dive right in. We have three uh, very dense topics to get through today. So we want to make sure we have time to dig in and find all the interesting pieces. Topic number one, the robots are coming for your jobs. The robots are coming. The ro- with, well, with a pizza, I, I hope. Exactly. <laughs> I hope they bring pizza. Um, the uh, the article that we're linking to here and the uh, the topic that we want to discuss, not physical robots, but AI bots that are being programmed to perform professional tasks for office workers, data and process oriented, and the things that that will mean for everybody's job description and whether or not there will be job displacement. And uh, one of one of our least favorite technical terms that gets used in this conversation, upskilling of our labor. So as as we have dug into this, I I have spent a lot of time in the software world working with people who do robotic process automation, who are developing these AI bots. And I am highly impressed with the functionality. However, I do not believe that they are here to replace anybody's job. I believe they are here to take the mundane things off of your plate so that you can focus on doing the more interesting slash human parts of your job. What say you gentlemen about this topic? Well, I think it's interesting to look at the stats, like, you know, they talk about Gartner and Deloitte and right, all of these numbers and how much money is involved. But really, we're, we're kind of in this new kind of industrial revolution. Maybe it's a non-industrial, it's an electronic revolution, where instead of creating manual labor jobs, we're creating lots of knowledge worker jobs. We're enabling people to do more work than they ever could before. This literally will not eliminate people. It will require more people because the, the bots can generate so much data and so much information and so much processing so fast, 
we still need human beings to, you know, push levers and, and twist knobs <laughs> and do some of that work. So I think that this will lead to a labor shortage, if nothing else. Ooh, so so I I don't for for me it's the it moves a bunch of stuff around, right? Like it, it moves <laughs> um like I am not convinced that it will uh, shrink overall jobs. Like, I don't think it's going to just like, but I do think on an individual job level, there's going to be some transformation, right? Like, I do think that like the, in, if I look at a particular job role or a job description at a particular company, the likelihood of that being transformed is not zero <laughs> like it is it is it is higher than that and in some cases may trend all the way to 100. uh that job role will disappear will that need for a physical human go away no that physical human may be doing other things i am acknowledging of the reskill like you may have to do uh, you may have to try another job like that kind of stuff but it's been my general experience that every technology promises cheaper, faster, better, uh, and always is complicated, always more IT spending, <laughs> always like, and so there's this, this element of balance to it where I say like, it's going to move things around. Do I expect we will have the same manual jobs of data that have happened no the same way that we have removed some manufacturing jobs and have transformed them into other jobs um but do i think like overall job numbers will go down nah we're going to continue to need people like <laughs> well i mean See, a lot of this thing, right? there's always I, this I weird with you. fear or oh i was gonna say there's always this kind of weird fear that the the, the world's going to be a little more dystopic because of these changes um but I don't know if you remember way back in the 90s when they were, you know, advertising laptops and they literally had pictures of of professionals sitting on the beach doing their work and bosses didn't want to buy laptops because they're like, I don't want you sitting on the beach doing your work. Right. Skip ahead 30 years. Right? We now have people working remotely all the time and being told, hey, don't come into the office. You're just going to cost us resources. So, you know, looking into the future, you got to you got to take things you know, with a grain of reality. And uh, I think that one of the things that we're gonna see here is instead of jobs disappearing, they're just gonna be changed like Dave said, but I think that they're gonna go a lot faster. I think they're gonna become more stressful because just as you have to keep up with the, the conveyor belt if you're on a physical job, you have to keep up with the AI bots if you're on a, a knowledge worker job. Absolutely. See, and, and one of the points made in this article that I agree with is that humans will never be able to compete for efficiency and accuracy in very carefully defined process execution and data calculation. The machine is faster than we are, and it doesn't make math errors. And there are certain things that, that these robots are going to be especially good for. But that begs the question, what is it that you need a human to do? It, it, what is the job? What is the element of that job that cannot be automated, but that must be done by a human? Well, I think that there are a handful of things, right? I'll refer you to a book that was put out a number of years ago by Daniel Pink, the, the author, and, and he called it you know, the things that, that, a, that a machine cannot automate are the skills of the future. He called his book A Whole New Mind, and he was focused on things like design and 
context and storytelling and things like that. I agree with his analysis, but I'll take it a step further. Context and variables blow away the average AI bot for as powerful as they are, for as advanced as these things can be. If you say, well, I have to deal with five different kinds of customers in five different types of job processes, and there are five different actions that I need to do, I am now at 125 iterations of what might be the right way to respond to this situation. And while you can program some of that stuff into the machine, a human still has the ability to say, well, which one matters and what type is it and how should I proceed? And then they can push the button and use the robot to get work done. I believe that this will illustrate not just the work that we don't need a human to do. And quite frankly, I don't know humans who want to do this kind of work, right? It's, it's, it's mind numbing, it's menial, it's difficult. That's not what makes your soul sing when you think about getting up and going to work in the morning. This will force us to focus on the things that we actually need humans to do, which I kind of think is a very good thing. And it will highlight those areas where no matter how intelligent the bot becomes, you cannot replace it. You cannot replace a human with a piece of software, which is kind of the opposite of eliminating jobs for humans. It's job security. So let me let me throw in a twist for our last couple of moments on on this one and get your thoughts on this. Uh, what about the transformation? Does this empower the transformation of things like the four day work week? You know, is is are we looking at it wrong, saying like, oh, we're eliminating jobs, but instead we can actually make our humans happier? <laughs> like, yes. Carl, you think it's going to be more stressful, but could this be an opening to the four day work week? Well, the problem is you still have bosses, right? I mean, the, the biggest thing when I go and talk to people about Relax, Focus, Succeed, the biggest wall that I hit up against is bosses who still believe that the more people work, the more productive they're going to be. And it doesn't matter that big corporations, you know, Microsoft has decided, hey, guess what? A four-day work week is more productive, right? It doesn't matter that people are given 20%, you know, of their time to, to go do a, a special projects or whatever at some big corporation. Most bosses believe in horsepower, right? And, and unfortunately, that has to get trained out of us. And I don't think that's going away. But I will say, we're going to revisit this in the last topic. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, every technology is at its core a tool. And any tool can be used for good or for evil. I believe the fact that we're actually wondering how you could use this technology to make humans happier, that's exactly where the conversation needs to begin. And if we can lead the conversation there, as opposed to more damn hours locked into your keyboard, then I think we're going in the right direction. But Carl's correct. Managers will need to be retrained. <laughs> well, well, and the bad managers, would... you can always outperform bad managers. <laughs> exactly. The last thing I would say on this is uh, bring it back to what IT professionals need to do, which is you need to realize you should be figuring out ways to put AI and bots to the service of your clients. You know, uh, we used to spend a lot of time building Excel spreadsheets and access databases and, you know, doing uh, VB scripting and all kinds of stuff for our clients. 
And the, our industry's kind of gotten away from that, but it, it really is time to think about the next version of what that looks like and bringing true value to people who are just not going to do this themselves. And there's money in them there, Hills. <laughs> well, so I'll move us on to, to topic number two, because we could keep going on that one, making money in that way you know, for a long time. So Wired has a new has a new piece talking about 100 million more Internet of Things devices exposed and how they won't be the last. You haven't caught up million. With it. Yes, 100 million devices. Uh, there is a set of nine new vulnerabilities exposing 100 million devices worldwide. They are flaws within the TCP IP stacks. They have to do a lot with DNS. They allow for uh, crashing devices, taking them online, or gaining control of them remotely. Uh, the article is throwing in that this will not be the last. Um, what was interesting is besides the fact that this is not going to be the last, this is not where we're not where we're done with this. What do you guys think that will be the impact beyond just, Hey, there's more to come. Is it liability? Is it legislative? Is it all of the above? What's your, what you're thinking of as this deployed devices grow exponentially and then incidents grow along with it. What are the fallout? Well, a year ago, almost today, <laughs> a year ago, we were talking about the legislatures of the world discovering that we exist, right? Yep. And and now, basically, every state has legislation, and you got to be on top of it. And um, I think this is the next level: is that some state legislators legislator is going to look and say, "A hundred million devices, you know, if you're taking care of IT, you need to be securing that." Whether you think that's your job or not, we hereby declare that's your job. And then the insurance companies who, you know, have not quite even figured out how to insure ransomware attacks yet, um, you know, they they literally don't have enough information to be able to actually figure out how much they're getting and how much they're paying, right? So um, that just means they, they their solution to everything is they should raise their rates. So, so Carl, I want to ask a question for clarification before Ryan jumps in. When you use the word state, are you using it in the U.S. state sense or are you using it in the nation state sense? Well, actually, I was using it for the U.S., but in fact, it's true of all the provinces. It's true of all the nation states. Um, they're all regulating this. And uh, I was asking, I was asking because one of the things I've been uh, talking about a business of tech is where that I think the action is in the state houses in the U.S. I think it's much more interesting what's going on at the state level versus the federal level. And I literally I'm, I'm looking to you to go, do you think that, too, is where the action is at the state level or is it fed or where, where are the so levels? So far, it's at the state level. So I know you're familiar with Termageddon, right? Yep. They basically, you know, they keep track of all of the privacy laws so that you can update your privacy policies. And I was talking to the guy from Termageddon last week, and he said, just this morning, South Carolina introduced a, a bill to do da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, he's doing Canada and the U.S. primarily. But, you know, day by day, there's action being taken at the state level. And this is literally just going to be one more thing that gets rolled into those pieces of legislation. See, and what I find fascinating about this is perhaps unprecedented, um, we are finally seeing a situation where government is not 
years and years behind the evolution of this particular problem with technology. The history of our governments at the state and federal level, domestically, internationally, everywhere. The history is technology comes along with all kinds of promise. People use it for good and for evil. And then some really bad things start to happen. And eventually, 15 years later, somebody finally admits that uh, an old dude in a legislative body somewhere needs to be written down very carefully so they understand what we're dealing with. And then they write an already outdated law to posthumously try to solve that problem. That's actually not what we're doing because, and, and Carl reminded me, right? A year ago, we talked about legislatures getting serious about privacy and security. About a year and a half ago, we talked about the idea of the redefinition of the network and the boundaries of technology that will then be under the job description of a managed service provider, right? I'm particularly fascinated by the whole IoT space. I think that all of those smart objects and systems are going to redefine the productivity of businesses and industry in a million different dimensions. And for a long time now, my advice has been, you cannot limit your scope of services to the traditional Microsoft and network stack. You need to be aware of anything that processes data that touches your systems or networks, and you should be in charge of those things. If there's a hundred million IoT devices that have just been exposed as vulnerable to some, what are kind of admittedly a few of them really basic fundamental vulnerabilities like this ain't rocket science that requires an advanced degree these things are now exposed that's our job description as an industry to go in there and lock those things down and prevent the problems from happening the iot is not going to be a separate entity of technology that somebody else is responsible for you run your clients networks and systems you are responsible for everything that goes across those networks the iot is just another class of service that's running on your network if you ain't securing it you're about to be in trouble with some reasonably forward-thinking legislative action i'm kind of impressed that they're moving this quickly well look i i'm gonna keep banging the drum on zero trust on this and just go like look you need to be moving to the point where you just don't trust anything <laughs> like, right. like you are constantly re-verif well you're constantly re-verifying access you're constantly re-verifying whether connections are allowed you're constantly re-verifying whether or not systems are running at, at at a level of trust like that is the the model of the future and if you're not recognizing and moving toward that now you're you're just going to get swept up in the ever increasing workload of keeping up with all of these various vulnerabilities. But you're just just another yet another exchange, by the way, another exchange server problem uh, came along just this week. Like shocking, um, you know, this is this is not slowing down. Well, and you know, there's two prongs to the legislation because one prong is going to be, hey, you hardware makers, you got to secure your devices, but they can't secure a light bulb I bought last year, right? They can't secure a refrigerator I bought, you know, last month and so forth and so on. Uh, the other prong is, you know, we have to figure out what we can do 
because again, it's it's kind of an after the fact. We are securing insecure devices. This is the, the story of our industry for the most part. Um, and you know, this one was 100 million. The next one will be 500 million. And the one after that is gonna be a billion devices. Because now there's there are hundreds of billions of devices worldwide and they you know they're sold ten thousand at a time so <laughs> you know that that growth is just going to keep growing yeah it will grow and it will become much more front and center right because right now iot applications appear to be a little bit you know they're niche or they are random little procedures that are not visible to the public we think of them right now as it's a signal that my hvac sends back to verify that it is in fact hvacking right like that's that's what we think of iot now the iot is coming for the customer experience the user interface the iot uh, solutions are coming for retail environments for everywhere that you spend money in the in the physical world these things are going to be front and center and do not even begin to assume that the companies hardware or software who are developing these iot devices and systems none of them were born with the thought in their head of you know maybe in addition to what i'm doing here i should also think about cybersecurity. That is just not the mentality and the job description of people who are doing industrial engineering. They're going to need some adult supervision. And for once, we as an industry are going to actually be the adults in the room. And uh, I want to just send a reminder to folks that over on Facebook, our friend Amy Babinchek has created a group, the MSP Legislation and Regulation Group. Go look that up. Uh, join that. That's where the ongoing discussion of this is taking place. And, I, and by the way, you know, the solution providers, MSPs, IT services companies, you need to be leading on this. Not analysts, not us talking heads, not <laughs> vendors. No, seriously, like these are this. That's, that's where true. the expertise that has to happen from a you know and an implementation. It affects you directly. You are the only ones that can lead the charge for it. The the rest of us are not going to be able to do it on your behalf. And sadly, we will be covering this again. Oh, <laughs> <So>. we will. <laughs> so our, our final topic today actually comes from, I, uh, I went to Fiverr to buy some graphics. You know, and if you're not familiar, Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, basically is a place that started out as, hey, here's what I'll do for $5. You know, I'll, I'll design your logo in jelly beans for $5, right? and uh, all kinds of weird stuff. And so it started out as kind of a low-end thing, but then has grown to be a site where people will say, you know, yes, it's $5 to you know get my attention, but uh, here's an add-on for 100, and here's one for 200, and here's for 500. And so all services are now available there. Well, when I went on over the weekend, I noticed a little thing, that a little label that said new, and it was next to the word data. And so I clicked into it and there are now services being offered through Fiverr for database development, data analytics, data processing, data visualization, data science, data entry, of course, um, machine learning, programming. It's, it's really interesting to me that these tools are available at very reasonable prices from people all over the world who you know, some of them have gone to university and some have taught themselves, but 
you know, it's it's in a market where everybody can be rated and evaluated, right? You you can give them a tip if they do extra cool work, uh, and you can give them a star rating, and you put in comments and. So there's kind of this beautiful idea that you can crowdsource some incredibly high-end information uh, services. My my Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager guy, I got on Fiverr. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like 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 never met the guy. I've only communicated through the site. Uh, he's Dutch. Uh, goes on long vacations at weird times. So occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I, but but does amazing work and is incredibly well-priced. Uh, I cannot say I'm surprised that the gig economy has come for more and more of these sophisticated you know, job roles. You know, obviously there are different level of skills and you know, you're not getting a world-renowned expert on something, but as these tools are more ubiquitous and the need is more ubiquitous, there are some things that just make sense in this gig economy, particularly when if it, somebody can do work for me from anywhere, you can be competing from skills from anywhere. Right. Well, see, and that's where that's where my brain goes, Carl, because you made a point earlier in this episode about the speed of progress in the jobs that people do. We all grew up in industries where the skills you possessed would sustain you for a certain amount of time, right? If I had a certain certification, if I had a technical specialization, that was five years worth of job security that I know something very highly technical that nobody else knows. And then I would update my certifications. I would need to stay contemporary with all of the emerging technologies. But you can build a 25-year career in IT by having some reasonably foundational skills and then enhancing them as you go. Now, the business of data science is not 25 years old, at least in the form that we're discussing here. It, the, the machine learning and the, the data visualization services that are available here, these are reasonably recent phenomena and they are already being gigified. This is not something that, well, hey, I've got a degree in data science and machine learning. That means I will be the expert in this field for the next 15 to 20 years. Uh, no, you won't. You're going to 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will have a sustainable competitive advantage based on your skill set for about the rest of the project that you are currently working on. And then when it comes time for the next project, it's not just you that they are considering. There is a global marketplace of advanced talent that is available at a moment's notice for fees that are radically lower than the annual salary and full taxable benefit earnings of a full-time professional position. This is going to radically accelerate the competitive nature of this field, but the chaos of that rapid progress not like you said, Dave, not everything's going to be the end all be all of ideal data science but enough of it's going to be good enough that we will advance the art form really quickly and it will soon become absolutely common for even small local businesses to leverage radically complex data sciences well, into Ryan, their product offering. Several years ago, Ryan, you wrote a paper about the waves of technical innovation and 
I'm just always struck in our industry that literally, while we're recording this, some new technology is coming into existence. Within a year, somebody will be the best in the world in that technology that just came into existence. And within five years, it will be old, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it will be, you know, now, they, now they're, they'll be teaching it at the community colleges and trade schools. And so, you know, the speed of innovation in our industry is literally that fast. And so, you know, the idea that somebody can go on Fiverr and say, hey, you know, I'll just use my spare cycles to learn about um, machine learning or whatever uh, is like, it's great that we live in this era. But let me also observe that while everything you just said, I agree with and is 100% true, the longevity of those technologies is not that short either. That technologies that get invented and they become popularized and stuff like that also have very long tails of productivity and implementation and stick around for a while. I, I literally laugh. I've been doing a bunch of investor calls lately and, and I always talk about like threats and how the landscape will change and what might change a business model and all of that stuff. And then I immediately always say, and guys like me should be self-aware that we always think it's going to change a whole lot faster than sometimes it does. And people <laughs> run successful businesses on the old tech for a long time. That does not mean that they're not, it's not a diminishing curve or it does not mean that it's not disrupted, but it also isn't fully displaced instantly. And that's something that's also important to highlight at that le level of speed of transformation. That's, a, that's an excellent point. And the tactical nature of this conversation, if you are a technology professional of any form or sort, if you are a solution provider, a managed service provider, if you are a software publisher, a hardware manufacturer, if you are not right now thinking of how data science will enhance the things that you do, you are tardy and you are about to be left behind. And if you are not thinking of ways to solve these problems for your customers, you are leaving money on the table. There is tremendous opportunity in this stuff and the tools are being made available in less and less arcane or proprietary ways. Again, I will say the magic words, low code, no code. And if you're not doing that plus data science, you, you might be grandpa's technology provider, but you're not gonna be on the cutting edge. <laughs> well, sadly, we're just about out of time. I just, I do wanna encourage people, if you're not listening to us on Stitcher, that's my favorite podcatcher, and I think you should go to Stitcher and subscribe to us. Well, and I like Pocket Cast, so everyone find your favorite, but more importantly, tell your friends. <laughs> tell your friends, share an episode that you particularly like, uh, and tell someone to, to and share the share the discussion so that we can continue this conversation ongoing. Very good. And the links to many, many podcatchers are on the website at killingit.smallbizthoughts.com. And sadly, that will do it for episode 108 of the Killing It, Killing it. podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.